if you sit down with someone that has alternate or opposing views than you do, have a conversation with them. At right. the end of the day, everybody wants the same thing, right? Is they want to be a better place in life. They want to provide for their family and their kids. And some people approach different things in a different manner. And so uh, if you can get on the same page and focus on the commonality, this place would be much better off. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my great wealth listeners. Today, I have the pleasure to bring to you Anthony Faso and Cameron Christensen. They're with Infinite Wealth Courses. I think they have multiple brands. I just remember one brand because that's a very exciting brand. Because I have uh, one thing that we've talked about in the past is if you go back to previous episodes of Be Your Own Bank, right? Can, how can you accelerate your accelerate your investments by basically cutting out the entire third layer, third party, which is the bank? Who, uh, when you when you need access to money, where you need access to money, what interest rates you act, have access to money. You remove all of that variable and really accelerate your So uh, both Anthony and uh, Cameron have expertise in that. They help focus. They help people build their own banks to a variety of different concepts that we're going to de- dig, dig deeper into it. But before we go there, I want to welcome in Cam- Cameron Hop, buddy. So good. Thank you for having us. Uh, excited to be here today. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. it. Well, I've had a good time already. So I think this uh, the episode is going to be fun. It's going to be fun, man. I love all of the orange colors that you guys have sprinkled throughout everything. I really love that. Well, it's even cooler because it's supposed to be red. I may be kind of blind. I may be kind of blind. Let's do that. Let's go with that. Look, yeah. Yeah, we need to fix the lighting. It, it does look cool. <laughs> I was going to say I'm colorblind. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Maybe <laughs> colorblind rather than your lights being off. So to both of you guys, great again. And it's going to be an interesting one because we don't necessarily have two guests on the, on the same episode. So I'll have to try to figure out how to flip-flop between the two of you guys. So if I'm asking a question, you guys pick and choose who is best to answer that. If there's a specific question I have for either one of you, I'll just direct it uh, to that person. Perfect. Perfect. Great. Awesome. Great. So the first question is really going to be for both of you. And you can pick whoever goes first. It's really more around when you hear the term migrate to wealth, what does that bring about to you? That's a good question to uh, start off. I would tell you, when when I first heard that brand, I, I figured that it was helping people who are immigrants or new to the country kind of learn the money supply and kind of how financing works yeah. in the United States and how they can build wealth. What first comes to mind, uh, Socket, is uh, almost intention or intentional, right? As, uh, right as I have this vision of somebody that is moving towards something and not being kind of pushed around just casually, right? It's a desire to go in that direction is yeah. what, uh, is what I, you interpreted my migrate as moving, like migrating and moving from one place to another. Mm-hmm. And I interpreted it as more of an, uh, immigrant. So very, it's kind of, it's kind of very, very interesting. You both are right. Uh, the way we picked this episode was for the immigrants, first and second generation immigrants who are really working very hard. Um, they're, yeah. trading t- they're trading time for money, right? Where we're trying to tell them is that like, there's a different way of building wealth. And also, first of all, you have to redefine what wealth is for you. Is it just money or is it much more than money? And everyone has a different answer to that. There's no right answer. So both of you, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's always interesting to hear what somebody else's perspective is to your brand. Uh, so I always like to open that up. And then we'll go from there as in, 
And I, I would love both of you to go answer the next question as well. What has been your journey into wealth? Take us a little bit back into your life. Tell us what wealth meant to you at that point. Tell us what wealth meant to, means to you today. And how did you build a bridge from the past to the current? Great, great question. I'll jump in there. Is uh, Briefly, I'll treetop some of this. Is I grew up in Idaho, right? A uh, small town in Idaho. Grew up out in the country. And to be honest, there wasn't a lot of uh, wealth per se, right? The richest man, the, the the wealthiest guy that I knew growing up was a physical therapist in town, right? And I thought he was super rich because he owned the pool that we all used to go swim at as kids, right? So he had a pool and then his office was next to it. Alan Goodall, if you're listening, I still look up to you, man. And so that was the vision that I had. And so to be honest, is uh, as I was growing up, my vision of kind of being successful in life was being a physical therapist. And that is what I had set out through high school and then even college is what I originally started out to do. Uh, I moved down here in Las Vegas to go to UNLV uh, for their PT program. They've got a great program mm -hmm. in the nation. And so I actually started going to school uh, and it wasn't, a, it was more by accident that I kind of stumbled into uh, creating wealth and financial advising. Um, I started a business while I was going to school at UNLV and that business took off. And I started creating uh, some very good money, more money than I would be making if I would have continued on my education right. and became a physical therapist. So then I'm like, well, what am I doing? Right. And so I started looking at what I should be doing with uh, this money. And Saga, to be totally honest, is I started looking at all the options that were available to me yeah. and uh, I froze. Right. I, I didn't do anything. There are so many options that were out there that uh, were available. I didn't know what to do. But one thing that I knew I didn't want to do was put my money away till I was 60 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I sat on cash. And so as a small business owner, right, I didn't have an HR department that I could turn to. My parents never ran a business. And so I was kind of out there on my own trying to figure this thing out. And so I sat on cash and, uh, you know, by the grace of God, I tell everybody I came across the uh, Becoming Your Own Book, uh, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash yeah. uh, when my wife and I were buying our house. And, and I went home, I read that book. I tell everybody this. I read it three times the first night, socket. And to be totally honest, I got really pissed off when I read that book. On at page 40, at, at everybody. <laughs> I got pissed off because I didn't know, right? I felt like I was pretty smart. I felt like I was successful, but there are some really basic yeah. fundamental financial concepts in there that I wasn't aware of. I got mad. I didn't know it in college. I got mad that my parents never communicated it to me. And then as time went on, I realized that uh, they didn't know it either, right? So <laughs> tough to hold a grudge if they didn't know it. And so yeah. uh, that's really what set me down that journey is I uh, came across Nelson Nash's Become Real Banker. I read the book, uh, became super intrigued and interested by that. And that's what set me down the road. I went out there and I started reading everything I could on personal finance. And that approach to personal finance rung true with me. Being a small business owner, entrepreneur nine said is I want control over my money. And right. so I started implementing that. And then that's really how I kind of uh, made my way into this career. So I'll, I'll keep this brief at this point, but uh, no, that's, really what got, that. that's really what got me started. Thank you, Cameron. We'll come back to a few of the things that you talked about. I have a yeah. very strong feeling that Anthony has, uh, has a similar, similar story, if not exactly the same. Anthony, on to you, buddy. Similar, similar but better. Yeah, I'm, I totally, <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. No, uh, it is so, I tell I, I I was raised by a single mom, so my, my dad wasn't around. We, we 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 didn't have a lot of money, so which made me I, I wanted I, I wanted to have more money. But even as a as a child or a teenager, 
I didn't want to be wealthy, you know, but to me, you know, cause we talked about wealth being more than money, but it was, I wanted more of a traditional family because I grew up when they called it a broken home or whatever, but I wanted my wife and me to raise the kids and, and have a close knit family. So our priorities weren't when we got married, wasn't making a lot of money. It was having the time for the kids. And so we made a lot of financial sacrifices for that. And when I got a degree, I, you know, I always wanted, do you, do you ever watch, do you watch the movie Wall Street? Yeah. Early night. Yeah. Like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a stockbroker. Yeah. Uh, but then I, in order to go to college, I, I joined the army to help pay for my college. And surprisingly, the army doesn't have much need for stockbrokers. So I went in, in the infantry, did, did my time and came out. I also went to UNLV. I chose a degree in, in accounting. So I, I got my uh, accounting degree and then I worked at Price Waterhouse Coopers. Oh my God, we will, we will not hold that against you. That's okay. okay yeah, don't, don't. I did my time and I got out, <laughs> right? I got my CPA. I was a CFO for a chain of restaurants. And then again, I, I wanted to be able to spend more time with my family. And so a friend of mine had started his own CPA firm and I saw he was open and showed me the numbers. And I'm like, if I could just make half of that and be able to spend more time with my family, I'm, I'm, I'm golden. So I literally quit my job with no zero clients, zero tax clients, and started build my CPA firm up from scratch. And I'll say, I was in the mindset, I'm ex- billable hours. You're talking about exchanging time for money. The yeah. billable hour world is that to the minute. Yeah. And that's what I was in. And I didn't enjoy that. I didn't like having to account for all my time. But also, if I met with somebody, I'd want to talk to them about, you know, the Steelers game or kind of what's going on or the kids or kind of some personal items. But it didn't seem fair to bill them for that time when, when we, are, we are just chatting. So... Ironically, now, now now we're in 08. I was about to, I was working with my typical financial planner mm-hmm. and I was about to get licensed so we could work together more on, on, on our joint clients. Then, then 2008 happened and the stock market crashed. And I saw the devastation that happened, not only to me, to my kids' college funds and to my clients. And I, I told my financial advisor, I'm like, you know what? I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't tell people you did everything right. Right. And to no fault of your own, you know, you lost 50%. And right. so that, that's when I went on a journey. Cause I realized there is a crash about every 10 years. And if I don't do anything different, why would I expect a different result? So I went, I, I kind of went out with an open mind and that's when I, I got exposed to the infinite banking concept, which was contrary to everything that I was told, right? We're told, let, let's store our money in our IRA, 401k, and let's let it sit to where we are 60 and we're just going to work until, work hard until, until, until we get there. But I, I didn't feel that that, that 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 was a reality. So the infinite banking opened up my eyes and in addition... I read, I'm sure you've heard of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what it is I took the purple pill, right? Okay. I, not only did I read this book for the second time, but I'm like, why don't I put this into action, right? A lot of times people have read this, read these books, but then they just go back and start doing Correct. the same thing Correct. That, that, that they were doing. So then I sold my firm and was just totally focused on teaching people infinite banking. And, uh, and, and we made the, the decision that our goal was to be one of the best in the country of infinite banking. In order to do that, we needed to be laser focused. And that's why all we do is, is, is infinite banking. But back to my, to my wealth journey, as I opened up my eyes, I started realizing, hey, I don't, because my solution to any of my money problems was just to work harder. Yeah. I'll yeah. just get another tax return or I'll just work till midnight or I work till one or two in the morning or I will work on Saturday or, you know, my, my default response was to work harder, which I've kind of realized that is that there are much better ways to do that. So yeah. now I started, now that my money was free from my 401k, because that's how I got my policy started is I took money out of my IRA and 401k and dumped it in. So I had some cash from day one that allowed me to start to start putting it to work. So I started buying assets that were pay, that were creating cash flow, and and pay uh, earning earning that passive income. But then, as now, I, I would tell you to be honest, socket. I have a hard I have a hard time seeing a vision. Like I can see a couple steps ahead of me, but I can't see 10, 20 years or ten steps. But as I started getting closer, making some more passive income, and now I have kids. So yeah. some of my my ideas and goals have changed because I want to teach them these concepts. I don't want them to struggle like I did or like uh, Cameron did. I mean, there's some ways if we can get our mind right at a young age and not Definitely. change time for money, start looking at avenues to create passive income and to buy businesses. So now I'm tr I'm feeding into my kids, and now I've been blessed that I have two grandkids. So now we've actually we've got policies for my grandkids, and we're buying rental properties uh, for them using their policies. So my goal is that I will be teaching them not only by giving them money, I'm going to teach them how to make money, and as they get older, I'm going to take them to these properties. And we evaluate a syndication. We're going to look at the numbers. You know, should we do this? Should we not? And why? So, so, so they can start learning, and they can they're going to pay much more attention when it's their money as opposed yeah. to it being being grandpa's money. So Believe now, me. kind of, I've come full circle where my goal is to create passive income more than my monthly expenses, and then to teach my kids and grandkids the same. I love that. Well, thank thank you again for sharing the insights. I think your your stories together, while very very very, very different, it gave a lot of different uh, perspectives of how to think about building your own bank. And well, I've actually probably given more than five hundred books, Nelson Ash's book away, because I really think that book is oh. a power bank, powerhouse. Because uh, I think if now not everyone understands it, that's where we have a conversation to bring it to light. Right? People read it. People read it like it's a scam. People read it like, well, 
this is this is an agent who's making their living based on these these things. So of course they could they have to take it with a grain of salt. And all of this, I completely understand and appreciate all of that stuff. But I think the the value is in the it's in the abstract concept. So this in this episode, because limited limited time uh, that we have available with each other, we're going to take an abstract view, right? And let's let's start with I think you hit on that, Anthony, uh, a little bit about how 401ks, and I think you also did that, camera about how 401ks are, we really have no control of what happens in the market. And for no fault of yours, your portfolio may get slashed 50, 60, 80%, depending on what's happening in the market. Especially, and I always tell people is that stock market will always be down the year you need the money. Just go <laughs> with that assumption. Just go with that Absolutely. Assumption. Because chances are it will be. If it ha- doesn't, if it doesn't happen, great. But very more than likely, when you need that money, it'll be down. So chances are you won't be able to extract it. So then, then, then the whole concept goes that if I'm not going to be able to extract it, why am I putting in there? Because I'm putting in there so that it serves a purpose at the end, or in, or, yeah. or during the journey, depending on when you want to take it. So one thing, Anthony, I want to talk to you about is when you said. And I think that's that that that's we'll start with that, and then we'll see which thing goes. Is you took all your money in four hundred one k and IRA and put it into a policy. So let's let's break it down a little bit, right? So the concept of infinite banking, or concept of creating your own bank, we've already talked to people that you basically buy an insurance policy. We're not going to go details into it unless the conversation goes that direction. You buy an insurance policy and use that to borrow against. Now, there's a lot of intricacies involved. So why don't we very quickly, either one of you, talk very quickly about what being your bank means. And then I'll actually go back to the question of the comment you made that you moved your money from 401k and IRA and moved it into a policy, what the implication of that is. Because that's the biggest challenge that I've seen from my investors that I'm talking to them. Or I can't move the money because I have to owe taxes, I have to owe penalty and all that good stuff. So let's park that question for a second. But let's bring it to the attention of what exactly is being your what exactly does being your bank mean? Very high level, one on one, but really not 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 going deeper into the concepts. I would make a distinction if if I can, so I could uh, be in your own bank, right? That was really something a term that was uh, I think really marketed by Pamela Yellen, right? Okay. And and Pamela Yellen took that idea from Nelson Nash. Got it. So Nelson Nash, right, is the gentleman that wrote "Become Your Banker," published in two thousand. That's really the origination of the idea. Since Nelson published that book, people have taken this idea and they've rebranded it, right? They've remarketed it and those things. And so uh, just to clarify is we try to give as much credit to Nelson as we can. But this idea of infinite banking uh, is really understanding how money works. And when you understand how money works, you'll know how to play this game and, and, and play it to your advantage. And what I mean by that is once you realize that banks don't produce anything, right, is they just take individuals money on deposit. And then what they'll do is they'll turn around and they will lend it out to those same individuals uh, and charge them an interest rate. Once you realize that, you can figure this whole thing out pretty quickly. And what Nelson's done is that book he's in the book is that's what he's laid out. And so uh, one of the uh, distinctions that we would make between us and probably some other people that practice this strategy is we work solely with uh, investors, right? And so uh, one is the place that you're going to keep your capital in the meantime, which I think is where you're going with the 401k and IRA question is going to be the policy. And we can go on the reasons as, as to why you'd want to do that. But secondarily is the infinite banking and the policy is not the primary focus. The primary focus of what we're trying to do is go out there and help someone create 
that passive income, right? If you sit there and talk to somebody long enough and talk about their goals is their goals are going to come down to time, right? And time freedom. And hey, I want to go do this. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to spend it on the beach. And to be able to do that is you've got to take pressure off of their earned income and replace that with passive income. Yeah. And so those are the strategies. That's the education that people in this nation actually need, right? Everybody's taught to go work, right? But you have assets, you need to put those to work, create the income off of that. So hope that is a good introduction for Anthony. Let's do it. Thank you. Okay. So you're welcome. Are we, so just for, can you rephrase the question? Yeah. At a very abstract level, talk about the components of what does it mean to be on back? Okay. You know, in the very simplest terms, it's we need to store our capital somewhere, right? And the problem is most of the time we store our capital in accounts we don't have access to. Like you had mentioned, if they want to take money out of their 401k, they have to pay taxes and penalty. I would like to address that that myth in in a second. But sure. what we do is if you're going to, let's say you're going to buy a syndication, it's going to take capital, mm-hmm. right? So in, we got to store that capital somewhere. Yeah. Now, typically we look for somewhere that is safe mm-hmm. and liquid. So when that opportunity comes, we have access to the money and we can buy the investment. Most people might store that money in a bank account because yeah. it's safe and liquid. Correct. But all we're really saying is instead of putting that money in a bank account that's safe and liquid, there are specially designed policies that are safer and are liquid and also earn a higher rate of return, tax-free, has some level of, of, of asset protection. So in the simplest terms, we're just telling people to store their capital somewhere different than they are now. And where the banking piece comes, and this is kind of where I think the secret sauce is the downside of storing money in a bank. As soon as you withdraw the money to buy the asset, we break the compound interest curve, right? We stop earning interest on those dollars. But with infinite banking and the policies that we use, we never break the compound interest curve. Instead of taking a withdrawal or against the money, we take a loan against your policy, which me- which means two things. For one, there is an interest that we need to pay because we're borrowing the money not from your policy. We're actually borrowing it from the in- general fund of the insurance company. So we do have to pay them interest. But also, since we never took the money from your policy, your policy is continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. So we are growing an, a compounding interest tax-free and then the loan is simple interest. However, if we use it to create taxable income, for example, buy an asset, buy a syndication, start a business, that interest alone, interest on the loan is tax deductible. So this is a way that I, I've never seen a strategy where it's one-sided with the taxes. A lot of times it's a give and take. Like for example, an IRA, you get a tax deduction when you put it in, but then when you pull it out, it's taxable, right? There is a give and take. But here, when we use infinite banking for investment purposes, you pay the interest as tax deductible, but the interest you get is tax-free. And then when we combine that with an asset class that has additional tax advantages, for mm-hmm. example, real estate or many syndications involving real estate, I feel we're, we're truly max, maxing the, uh, the the tax code. Love that. 
So I think I think this is great, right? Because what we're saying is that I like how you describe it. Actually, I've never seen it described it that way. That all we're doing is we're changing where you store the money. That's 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 yeah. a key principle right now. So you're storing it somewhere, hopefully not under your mattress. You're storing in a bank, you're storing at a in a in a Wall Street, you're storing in a savings account, wherever you're storing. You're currently saving, storing your money with a hope that it is increasing in value while while you're storing it. That's one. The second is that when you when you need access to it, you're able to draw on it. That's really the uh, the reason why somebody stores. So if you have an investment opportunity, you can go to that source. Or the real question we're now asking is, is there a better source available where you can store your money, right? And the money is stored for two different reasons, as you talked about, access to it and the growth of it. So one of the reasons why money grows is because it's compounding. It could be a 2% interest, it could be 10%, it could be 15 doesn't matter. The growth happens not because of the interest rate. The growth happens. The more your money is kept, is earning that compounded interest, the more your money is going to grow. I always tell people is that if a, if a stadium can be filled in two hours, when was it half full, right? It's just, and, and especially if it's doubling every second, it's really one mm-hmm. second before it was full, right? That's the impact of the compound interest. And of course, the uh, audience is pretty sophisticated about compound interest. It's just that when you draw the insights into it, what exactly that it means. So I like what you were talking about is, right? So you are able to deploy, keep your money safe while even when you're using it, it's still growing. So the parallel is the most a simple parallel that a lot of people may have is the home equity, right? So when you are taking a loan on your house, even though it's 60, 70, 80% leveraged, the property value is growing, not just a delta. But not just your same concept available yep. that we're talking about here, is that even when you take the loan out, the, the value is still growing as if you had a million dollar in there or 500K in there, your initial account. So that's, that's, that's one thing. But now what you're saying is you want to take the loan out. And I don't know, you didn't say that. So tell me if I'm putting wrong words in your mouth. You take that money out on the loan at, let's say, 5%, I'm making it up, 5% interest mm-hmm. rate. Now, if you're investing in a, in a if, if you're taking that money out and putting it in a bank, which is giving you two percent, that's not. Now you're not being your own bank. You're being mm-hmm. you're, you're creating loss for yourself. But the idea is take a loan at five, and hopefully you're able to invest in opportunities that's going to give you more than five. Ideally, 10, 15, 16, 20 percent IRRs. If you're able to make that, now you're saying is that now you're becoming a bank because that's where the bank makes that money. It was your. It was not your. You're not using your money. Because your money is still deployed earning the compound interest, but you're borrowing it at X percent and you're making X plus delta and you're keeping the delta for you. Very high level. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, Socket. I let me just I just want to clarify a couple things because the power of this isn't the arbitrage where people will look at the difference in the rates of okay. what you're earning and what and what what you're paying. But we need to keep it we need to look at the whole picture. Oftentimes we look at all right, if I take a policy loan. That's going to interest 5%. So I need to earn more than that. That part's true, but but there's more pieces to the equation. For one, that 5%, if we use it for an investment purposes, is tax-free. So yeah. maybe, depending on your tax bracket, maybe that's 3 4%. But also, that's simple. But then your money inside your policy is compounding, let's say 4%, but that, but... But that is, but but that's tax free. True, and we have the asset that we had that we had invested in, 
And a prime example, like what I've done for my grandkids and me personally, if I I get a, a property, the down payment comes from my policy. So I buy the asset. That cash flow from the asset, I use that to repay the loan. Mm-hmm. If I have a good tenant, I can pay it back sooner. Not so good tenant, maybe longer, but eventually yeah. I will pay that back. But what so what will happen is now I have a cash flowing asset, and the best part is the policy continued to grow. Right. The the my policy grew whether I took the money out and bought a property or not. Mm-hmm. So I have that continuous compounding, and I have a cash flowing asset. So you know what we do, socket? We do it again. We buy another asset. And another asset, you know, and, and until we, we we are achieving our our financial goals, love that. So Anthony or Cameron, and I know Anthony said that, but Cameron, maybe you can provide some insights. Just so that both of you have some air time. It's really around what is the whole uh, notion of what Anthony just talked about was that he took the money out of his four hundred one k IRA and deployed that into right. What about the tax implications? What about the penalties? And and Anthony, you're the better suited one. That's why too. I was just direct. I was just trying to fielding the question so that I, I give equal opportunity both. It's you got, okay. You, you got, don't need to be equal. You got yeah. sick of Anthony Gappin. Yeah. So I get, I get it. And every day, I appreciate the the softball <laughs> over there. Uh, it, it, uh, Saga, we've got lots of clients, right, that will reach out and say, hey, listen, I want to take control of my finances. How do I do that? And one of the considerations that always comes up is, hey, I've got some money in qualified accounts. Uh, 401ks, right? If you're currently employed, there's, there's nothing you can do there. Right, if you've got an old IRA or something that's laying around, uh, the implications are if you do move that money, there's going to be a tax liability there, but there's also going to be a 10% penalty. Yeah. Uh, in regards to tax liability, right? Um, if Anthony wants to go in detail, he can, but I'm more conceptual. What I always tell people is uh, the taxes are a win, not an if, right? So you're going to choose when you get to pay those, yep. right? And so if you believe taxes are going to go up, well, great. Maybe you want to pay it now, right? If you believe taxes are going to go down, maybe you want to pay it later. Uh, most of our clients uh, are under the un- impression that taxes are going to go up. So they're more inclined to liquidate that, pay the taxes that they've just chosen not to pay quite yet, and then send that in. Uh, secondarily, uh, really what it comes down to is going to be the 10% penalty. Uh, the 10% penalty, the way that I usually will frame that is that, hey, listen, let's account for that. Let's find out exactly what that number is. Yep. And if you can create more than what that penalty is by the time you're 59 and a half or whenever you had access sure. to it, hey, that's that's totally up to you. What Typically what it comes down to, Socket, is that decision comes down to a lot of the intangibles, right? Is you can go through and you can share somebody the numbers and the penalties and, the, and the, how much they owe. But most of the time, someone has made that decision that, hey, I want to take control over my finances as I want to be the one that's kind of steering the ship. And so when they make that decision, we're just there to help them get in a position to be able to do that. And yeah. so that's really what that transfer or taking money out of those types of accounts is reflective of is someone making a decision and saying, hey, I want to be the one making decisions on my finances moving forward. Sure. Anthony, do you have anything to add to that? Yes. I, well, I always do. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Cameron did a, a great job about the taxes and, and the penalty if you take it out. But what a lot of people don't uh, look into, what's the penalty for leaving the money in? Yeah, very true. Right? Very if true. you were to money out, because I, what, like, for example, with real estate and syndications, there's some great tax advantages of we, because we have the depreciation and the leverage, but, and then when you sell the asset, it's at the lowest rate. 
the capital gains rate. But when it's inside your IRA, we lose all those tax advantages. Definitely. Definitely. And it's tax on the order income, right? When you take the money out of IRA, even if the taxes don't go up, when you're taking out a 401k or IRA, you're, you're getting taxed at the order income. Yeah. And you know what? One thing also is hard, to, it's, it's intangible, is the ability to have quick access yeah. to your capital for opportunities. We just interviewed a, a client yesterday, and he he came across a great opportunity to buy a lobster boat. That he had a great deal, but he had to be able to buy that within days. And if he yeah. would have went to the bank, they would have run him through the the ringer. It would have taken too long to get the money out of their IRA or four hundred one k. But because he had his money outside that in the policy where he had access to immediately, he was able to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, that makes sense. No, definitely makes sense. So uh, Cameron and Anthony, we can talk at hours. I think this is a very, very rich and it's needed conversation, right? I know you have some of the resources for some some resources that you're making available to our listeners. Can we talk about that? Because if they want to learn more about it, can they learn? Absolutely. Uh, We have an online course that uh, we've put together over the years. And uh, really, uh, it's a great resource for someone that's not a client, right, that may be checking it out. But it's also a great resource for our clients to go back in there, watch some of the videos, watch some of the case studies, and just get refreshed uh, with the ideas of infinite banking. And today, as kind of a thank you for having us on, is we're going to give uh, your listeners a link where they'll get free access to the online course. Uh, typically, if somebody's not a client, yeah, we're charging $1,000 for access to it. So if they're listening, uh, they can write this down or socket, I'll send you this link. But it's, if they go to infinitewealthconsultants.com backslash migrate to wealth, and two is the number two, that'll take them to a landing page where they'll be able to access that course, go in there, take a look around. And I don't know if you can tell, but Anthony and I are not very salesy, right? We're more educational based. So a lot of the content that you're going to find in there is going to be very factual, right? It's us going through case studies, showing them exactly how they're going to make yeah. money by implementing the strategy. And so, uh, yeah, it'd be a great resource for them. Can yeah, I if I go ahead, Anthony? Yeah. yeah. What I I just going to reiterate, I, th- there's some great resources there. And if someone's on the fence, like, yeah, I'm hearing about this infinite banking thing. I'm not sure if it's for me. Learn about it. Maybe it is, maybe it's not, but we're not going to know until you do the research. Here's a free course. We have a tab in there, IBC 101, that'll give you how IBC works at a high level. And then IBC 201, we do a calculator in there where we buy, we're going to buy an asset, right? But we store money inside a bank to buy that asset. And then we store that, and then we compare that. Instead of storing that same amount of money in the bank, what if we store it in a policy and we bought that same asset? And for me, I'm a very analytical. So if somebody can tell me a cool story or tell me to read a book, I will, but I, I need to see the numbers. I need to make sure that th- when we take into account you know, the loan interest and everything, I want to see the bottom line that my family is going to be better off if I buy this asset through a yeah. policy. So- at the very least, I'd encourage you, somebody, take advantage of this offer. We're not going to call you. You're being our email list, but you could opt out. Like we're not selling. We're just. I think infinite banking is a powerful tool, and I think people need to uh, at least 
learn about it. And if it's not for you, go on, right? But if it is for you, this could help you achieve your goals faster and with more more certainty. And then Anthony and Cameron, I can't I cannot emphasize more on this, right? Because I think it's this show and most of the podcasts are built on education. Now if somebody wants to have a conversation with Anthony and Cameron, fans if you want to have somebody just work with you one on one, feel free to contact them directly, take good care of you guys. But if you're on the fence and you don't even know what it is, you want to go deeper into it. The first thing is to educate yourself. Or what did you guys all do to go to college for? To educate yourself to get to be employable. Doesn't mean that's the only path. That's you. That's one path that was available. And now this is a different path. But if you don't learn about it, you negate that path without even learning about it because you heard Susie Harmon or Dave Ramsey or your neighbor or somebody else on a cocktail party tell you it's a scam. Well, it's okay. It could be a scam. Not saying it is or it isn't. That's for you to find out. But it is the only way to figure out if something is worth looking into is by actually looking into it. And uh, <laughs> there's definitely a bunch of resources available online, YouTube and whatever. You can have a structured approach to learning, which is access to this course, which is for free, right? And and of course, you, can, you guys can see that they're not pushing anything so far. All we have a conversation about was why is why it makes sense. If you don't agree with it, no harm, no foul. Right, you can move out. And if you, if you dig deeper into it, it makes sense to you. Other resources available online. Go look, go research it. Give these guys a call. Call is free. Right, have a conversation, and uh, they they won't bite you. I'm pretty sure you can. Uh, sure, they'll be nice to you. You can use my yeah. name. Sure, they'll be nice to you. Better. But but Anthony and uh, and Cameron, I first want to thank you about the research because I know it takes time and effort to put. Uh, quality education material out. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys making it available for our audience. That even means a lot. So I would say that whoever's listening to the show right now, make sure you look at the show notes. We will capture the resources. Take advantage of it, uh, definitely. And I'm, I'm, I'm being very serious. IPC is a concept that can really change your life to an extent. We can go into the details of where impact occurs and might be. Wealth futures to inform. We're going to have that as a component underneath of our as well for our investors, right? So, if so I'm only bringing to you these concepts because I believe in it. Uh, otherwise, I would now. I'm, I'm going to very quickly. I'm going to stop talking. Otherwise, I'm going to shift into sales. Uh, so I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to go back to you guys, Anthony and Cameron. As we come towards the end of our show, we always add. There is a 20 year old Anthony in this world listening to this podcast. What's one insight you can share with that person that can their path, their migration to life. How about mine? I got mine. Life's better. I'll go for mine. Mine's better. Yeah. So you go for it. It's really good. <laughs> uh, what, what I would tell my 20-year-old self is get really good at distinguishing between fact and opinion. Yeah. Right? Is when you go out there, regardless of whether it's infinite banking, real estate, or just life in general, you're going to be bombarded with opinions. And it's really difficult to sift through that and find the facts. And so uh, if that's a skill that you can get really good and hone in early on in life, uh, you'll be well served. And then you got to change yours now. No, I don't. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> that was good. That was good. I would tell my 20-year-old self to think long-term. Yeah. If I'm accepting a job or if I'm doing my first deal or my first investment, I'm going to get paid on education. I'm not worried about mm -hmm. what, the, what the bank account says. I want to think long term and I want to learn from my mistakes and expand my network because long term success is that's how it's built. Love that. 
Love that, man. And, and again, the next question is for both of you as well. Where do you feel humanity as a whole should migrate to the next few days? Where's the gap? What do you mean by migrate? So uh, in your mind, is humanity at form? If it's not, what does perfect look like for humanity? And where, how should they? Where, what, what, what does that path look like? Uh, what I would say, uh, I don't know if this directly answers your question, but humanity in general, uh, right, I'm 43 years old uh, and I see more division now than ever. Yeah. And so uh, what I would urge individuals to do, right, is that, uh, man, if you sit down with someone that has alternate or opposing views than you do, have a conversation with them. Uh, at right. the end of the day, everybody wants the same thing, right, is they want to be a better place in life. They want to provide for their family and their kids. And uh, right, uh, some people approach different things in a different manner. And so uh, if you can get on the same page and focus on the commonality, this place would be much better off. Love that. Love that. Yeah, of course. But uh, the, the saying is it's, it's hard to hate close or something like that. If you really get to know people, I mean, we're all very, I mean, we're all very similar. I, I mean, to me, I, honestly, I think I would take a, a spiritual approach I mean, for us to be as divine and that we need to live and act like those scriptures, not just because yeah. somebody believes something different, you need to act like your scriptures say. And I, I, just by every religion I know is, is very kind and loving, but we have a tendency to use religion as more of a, more of a weapon when it should be used as a way to console others. Awesome. Well, Anthony and Cameron, um, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Uh, yeah. We're going to pause yeah. here. We probably will have some webinars or uh, more follow-up questions go deeper into the concept so we can add more value to our listeners. But thank you again mm -hmm. for taking time. I know you're busy. And thank you again for listeners for tuning into the show. Without you, the show won't be possible. Let us know if this episode resonated with you. If there's something that more you want to learn from the show, just add, just send me an email, send, send me a note. If you're on YouTube, leave a comment. Whatever you want to do, you, you know how to reach me. In all the on all the different platforms, so don't make the platform be an issue. I want to hear from you and see how you're using IBC, Infinite Banking concept, and uh, and of course, I want to hear how the course turns out to be. You guys, hopefully, yeah. well. Thank you again, guys, for all the resources, for all your time. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. Go make it a fantastic day. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below.